Good. Okay. Uh, today, uh, I'm, I'm teaching a series, but I'm going to do each chapter with different names and stuff, so I'm not quite sure what this book will end up being titled, but it's going to be another book. But, you know, uh, most of you can say that uh, when you went to church, you were told there was a lot of things you needed to do, right? I've, I've said this before, but we were always told what we needed to do. We needed to live more holy. We needed to live more righteous. We needed to quit stuff. And we needed to, it was just always what we needed to do. And we wanted more of Jesus and you name it, but nobody told us how, right? That's the truth. They never told us how. I'll remember setting a full gospel assembly for 38 years and preachers would get up and say what we need to do. And, but I, I always say, well, tell me how to do it. And it's because they didn't know how, you know, it's easy to say the problem. And even in the work world, in the corporate world, we, uh, I traveled as a manager and uh, over seminar processes and things like that. And people were, everywhere I went, people would always tell me what the problem was with our company, but they never had an answer. Mm -hmm. So I just told them, you know what, we don't, need the, we don't need to know what the problem is. We know what the problem is. We need people that can come up with answers. And Jesus came with the answer. Yes. And the answer was who we are. The answer is that there's nothing you need to do to become who you are. And that's what he came to do. And then he, he uh, anointed, uh, or God, Father God anointed the Apostle Paul to do that, and John to do that, and many other people. But there's just not enough people today in this world that have fully awakened to the point that they can teach people the how-to, the how to do it. And I'm not saying I'm the expert at that, but I'm, I'm going to endeavor to go through Scripture for the next few Sundays and show us how to. And I titled this, How to Stay Centered in Your Holy Spirit. Isn't that something you would like to do? It's just say centered in your Holy Spirit. Centered means it's the center of everything. I taught a few weeks ago, uh, several different times in our, out of my previous book, uh, The Unforced Rhythms of Life, which hopefully will be released here in a couple of weeks. But uh, that God is the center of everything. God is the center of the universe. So we could say center uh, spirit is the center of everything. Everything revolves around spirit. Without spirit, there would be nothing. Without spirit, there would be no real life because spirit is life. Anthropos' life is living carnal, and that's not life. You know, we can look on this planet Earth and we can see all kinds of people. We can even say we're living a great life. But the truth is there's still a measure of anthropos living as mere human in our lives, you know, because if it wasn't, there would be no sense of lack anywhere. There would be no disease or anything. We would be living out of spirit. So that's what we want. So often we're asked that. Often I ask, people ask me quite often because I wrote the book Living as Holy Spirit and it sounds kind of odd to people. You know, mainstream Christianity think, what? What are you talking about? I'm not Holy Spirit. I've had people tell me that they're not Holy Spirit. And that's okay. That's just where they're at. But I'm, I'm often asked that, and uh, people, pay, uh, people pay more attention to what Jesus did to the point that they want to become like Jesus. They want to do what Jesus did. I've prayed in my life many times when I was young, I want to be more like Jesus. I was looking this up. I remember Michael W. Smith, and we sang this at Desta, Desi Life Center all the time. He sung a song, sang a song the, mirror, the lyrics were, More Love more power, right? You remember that? It was more love, more power, more of you in my life. And we sang that over and over. And then people, we would begin to weep and begin to cry. Why? Because they wanted that. 
They didn't know that they had all the power there was within inside of them. They didn't know that they had all the love that there's inside of them. They, they didn't know that they were, as Jesus was in his earth, white, uh, earth walk, they were too. And that's why uh, the, the, one of the apostles said, let this same mind be in you that was in Jesus. And he said, let. Yes. He didn't say you had to go do anything to earn it. Just let it. Let it be. You know, it's already in you. You have all of it. So we've listened to sermons that exhort us to seek more of Father God, to do more for Father, to live more like Father, and the list can go on and on. So when I sang those types of songs and fed on those teachings, it always required me to do something, and I always failed. Always. I, I, because you can't do to be. You're going to fail if you're going to try to do something to be who you are because it's an effort. It's, it's a dead work. And Jesus said that we're to, to cease from dead works. So I always wanted to say, tell me how. <laughs> I've been trying and I just don't know how. And then I would plead to God to help me do that. So uh, the how is always the struggle because for the most part, very few people that get up and teach you what you need to do know how to do it. That's right. And that's what we're after is people who know how to do it. That's what I'm after. I want to surround myself with people who know how to live out of the Spirit right. and are practicing living out of the Spirit. So in scripture, uh, this morning, I really didn't even know what I was going to teach this morning. I just, I got up at six o'clock and I went here and sit down. Normally I have this, I know exactly what I'm going to do by Sunday morning. A lot of times I'll write and study Saturday night, but I just wasn't sure. But I began to hear this and uh, from the father, a lot about the word wisdom. I kept hearing wisdom. And so I looked up wisdom in my, my concordance and it's used 367 times in scripture. What gender do you usually hear cis, uh, wisdom reference to? Sheep. Yeah, and so, so, and, and Solomon, and all. it's always saying, seek her, everything. And so uh, it's, I, I want people to understand that uh, there's this exhortation to embrace wisdom as in female gender. Now, we're aware that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church uh, at Galatia, and he said there's no bond, there's no, no, uh, uh, no free, there's no male, there's no female in Christ, you know, or you could say in Holy Spirit. And, but what he was explaining here, that we're one, we're one. We're, we, are, we, pro, we were procreated male and female to give birth to God. I read that scripture to you in Genesis, right? I called Carol Madden yesterday and congratulated her on her new grandbaby, and I told her to tell Angela that Pastor Roy said she gave birth to God. And then explain that to her, yeah. because that's what we're here to do. Yes. Give birth to God. Give birth to God. Keep recreating man in God's image. Yeah. And so we know that God is not male or female, but we also know that spirit is also referred to as, as a female. In the Aramaic, when Jesus used the word spirit, it was always in the female gender. And so for that reason, I believe we can safely say when wisdom is referred to as her in Scripture, the, or the writer is referring to Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit's where all knowledge, wisdom, and understanding comes from, correct? Yes. So I just want to kind of lay that foundation here. The Old Testament, Job asked, where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? And it said, man knows not the price thereof, neither is wisdom found in the land of the earth. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for price. Where then comes wisdom, and where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hidden from the eyes of the living. And when I look up that word living there, it refers to people who live in the dust realm. Mm -hmm. 
It refers to people who still live as carnal, or the Bible calls it flesh. Flesh is a law work, or living as anthropos, if you would. And those references were Job 26, 13 through 15, Job 26, 13 through 15, and 20 to 21. So even Paul wrote to people that he had things to say to them, but they were still living very much as carnal. He wanted to talk to them as spirit, right? But he said, I couldn't, so I had to give you milk. I had to feed you as newborn babes because you're still living as carnal. That doesn't mean they were carnal. They were living as carnal. You know, people are still writing on Facebook a lot about how, talking about the carnal mind. We do not have a carnal mind. We have been mindful of carnal things, but we do not have a carnal mind. We have the mind of Christ, or we have the mind of spirit. Our mind is Holy Spirit. So we need to quit telling people they have a carnal mind, and we need to quit trying to deal with a carnal mind, because that's the same thing as trying to deal with the devil. That's true. You know, we believe that stuff. So Paul never said to have a carnal mind. He said to be carnal, mindful. That means to be mindful of carnal things, to dwell on carnal things. So uh, how do we stay centered and living as Holy Spirit. If man was created as Holy Spirit, then he was told to procreate. And what would man procreate? Man would procreate man in God's image, correct? I'm gonna read this again in Genesis because I'm gonna be using this a lot uh, for a long time. But Genesis 1, 26 and 27, in my translation, and really it's what it says when you look it up, it saith God become man as a representative figure in resemblance, have dominion over, and then he talks about the, the fowls and the birds and all that. Verse 27, so he said, so created God man as a representative figure in resemblance. God created himself male and female to create himself. And so when we look at the word create in different words, it literally says procreate. And that's our job is to procreate man in the image of God. Now, we all have already given birth to our children, correct? <laughs> We already procreated, so we don't want to go give birth to any more children, right, Donna? We're, right. we're not, but we can go to people who've already been birthed and procreate them in their understanding because they were not taught the truth, right. they were taught the lie. So we can go and literally recreate them, if you would, re refashion them and explain to them who they are. And so that's part of what we're called to do. But I do believe my children, if, or my grandchildren, because my children aren't having any more kids, but when my grandchildren give birth to their children, I want them to be able to say, you are God. Yes. You are the image of God. You are supernatural. You are spirit. I mean, how many people do you think were taught that from birth? <laughs> I don't know if very many are right now. But they need to be taught that from birth. Guys on Facebook out there and World Wide Web, wherever you're at, you, we really need to start going to our kids and our grandkids and teach them who they are. Because if you won't teach them, who's going to? And then when is the world changing? Because we still have this mindset that God's fixing to do something. You can go on TV and watch all these Christian television stations and radio stations, and you're always hearing about what God's getting ready to do. And like I said last week, they tell you something's good is going to happen to you today. And so we're always living with this expectation of something happening. And we're not here. We're the ones that's to create what's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is man is supposed to wake up who they are. So I find it interesting when Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus wanted to know how can a man enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he was talking about an anthropos man. And, and the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. 
It's knowing you're righteous and the peace and joy that comes from that. And how can a man do that? And so Jesus said to him, that which is born of flesh, flesh he is, and that which is born of the spirit, spirit is he, he is. And, and of course he said a man must be born again. And we know like Dr. K. Fairchild found out and discovered that men, you need to remember who you are. But even more than that, let's look at those words that he said. The first word he said is born. The word born is G-E-N-N-A-O, Gano, and it means to procreate. That's what he said. It means to procreate. So a man must procreate again. And, and I sat here just a minute ago and said, me and Donna are not planning on having a baby. We couldn't if we wanted to. <laughs> She's had a hysterectomy and I've been taken care of, so I couldn't get her pregnant before that. We had enough children. And so, so how can we do that? If Jesus said, Roy, Donna, you need to procreate, then we do what I just said. We need to go to all of our world and teach people who they are, right? That's what that's, that's, what that's actually talking about there. And so uh, they ceased to procreate God's children and they started procreating flesh children. That's what man did. They started procreating anthropos children. And, then, and I'll show you that in a minute. But the next word is flesh. Flesh in the Greek is sarx, S-A-R-X. And it means by extension, it means the body as opposed to the solar spirit. So literally what they did is they were of the flesh and they, they caused their, they, they were opposed to their soul, which we are a soul, right? We're a living soul. They opposed who we are. They opposed spirit because they gave birth to uh, their own external understanding of who they were. And they took up on a human nature instead of man. Human means man, hu uh, human means man hewn down. Are you getting it? Yes. And that's what Jesus was saying. So either you're going to live as spirit and procreate as spirit, or you're going to procreate as a mere human whose breath is in his nostrils, if you would. So what Jesus was telling Nicodemus is, is you need to stop procreating your children as human-minded. And we need to hear that today. We, what do we do, pastor? How do we stay centered? How do we teach our families? You need to stop procreating with a human mind. And the minute from their birth up, you need to tell them you know who they are. Every one of my grandchildren that I got to hold in my hands after they were born, I, before I even knew what I know today, I whispered in their ears and said, I know who you are and I know where you came from. And I've done my best and I want to do more, but I've done my best to teach my grandchildren who they are. And I've been lately telling them that they're supernatural yeah. and explaining that to them. So he said to stop uh, procreating their children after human-minded and teach them they are Holy Spirit. Teach them they are Holy Spirit. So you need to remember who you are as Holy Spirit and procreate God in your children, not this false image of our Father and who we think Father is. One of my dear friends, again, uh, uh, I've talked to before not too long ago, and I began to teach them this, and I could tell it was really, it reverberated with inside of them. It, it, caused, it really caused them to have a, a shaking going on. <laughs> And they, they, and they told me they never thought about that before. And then some of my dear friends, I tell them, it's like, they look at me like, what tree did that guy fall off from? Mm -hmm. So some people are ready, some people are not. Yes. So what happened with Adam and Eve then? Of course, we know they wrongly self-condemned themselves, mm -hmm. correct? And from, what, from that point on, they procreated children after the flesh, yes. if you would. They created children with no understanding of God, no mentality, 
And the Bible says they did it in their own likeness, their own likeness. Now, in the beginning, God said, I created you after me, right? And go forth and create after me again. But when you go to Genesis 5, 3, it says, And Adam lived 130 years and beget a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, many years ago, I was studying scripture and I always thought that was interesting that it said after his likeness and after his own, his, and he called his name Seth after his image. So remember again, father created man where? In his resemblance. And he said, create man, uh, he created male and female to create him everlasting after ever, everlasting. So in Genesis 5, 3, we find where Adam procreated in his own likeness and the phrase after his image is D-E-M-U-W-H. And it means after his resemblance. In other words, after what he saw himself as. He saw himself as naked. He saw himself as void of God's life. So when he gave birth to his children, he created them in that own likeness in his image. And he imaged him that they're, they're imaged them that way. And he treated them that way. Just like, have you ever met a family that is very, very poor? And then you see where they came from, and they were very, very poor. Their, all their family was very, very poor. What did they do? They created their children in their image. Yes. Nobody has to be poor in the United States of America. We all have the right to pursue happiness. We all have the right to pursue any kind of career we want. Yes. We have a right to go to college, not paid for, but we have a right to go to college, and it can be paid for. There's ways to pay for it. We can educate ourselves. We do not have to remain poor. But because the way we're raised and taught, that's what happened. Just like I've told you many times, I have a family that has several children in it, and they were imaged as mentally ill in different areas of their life, imaged as bashful or whatever, that was spoken over and over and over and over. Here they are, young adults today, and guess what? They're just what their parents imaged them to be because they taught them that. We could do the same thing with the church. They imaged us a certain way, correct? If you went to some churches today and I got up and taught these things, the ushers would take me out. <laughs> and I, it's like I told you, there's one man that would like to see me stoned right here, right now. And that's because they, they can't take the truth because they have the wrong image of man. Mm -hmm. So what was Adam's resemblance in his understanding? He saw himself as naked. And it's interesting to discover again, this word, uh, he saw himself naked. This word uh, is damuth. And it comes from the root word D-E-M-I-Y, which means to be quiet, to be quiet. In other words, he couldn't speak who he was. Then it comes from another root, root word, Demi, and it says to cut off in silence and Adama to be dumb, to stop, and also to perish. So he saw himself as mortal, didn't he? Yeah. Saw himself as li liable to die, and he could not speak who he was. So in Genesis 2.25, they are nude and not ashamed. And then in Genesis 3, 7, they were nude and they were ashamed. So I asked myself this morning, what happened in between there? What happened, you know, to see themselves nude? I would imagine if God created me in the beginning and I was Adam and I was naked, I wouldn't be ashamed. I would be the Greek God I always thought I was. <laughs> For those of you that are new to this, I always say I see myself as a Greek God in the mirror. So... What happened? The serpent entered. The serpent entered. And what does the word serpent mean? It's not a snake. 
I mean, if you use the word English word serpent, that's a snake. But in the Hebrew, it's nakash. Nakash. For those who that are new to this, it's N-A-C-A-S-H. And it means, first of all, it means to hiss or whisper. So have you ever had a hiss or whisper come to your mind? Mm -hmm. Driving down the street and all of a sudden you start hearing, boy, I'd like some ice cream. I would really like some ice cream. Mm -hmm. And you start thinking about that ice cream. And then you start thinking about your favorite place to go get ice cream. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you're going by that place, right? And then you get that ice cream. That's what that hiss or whisper means. It's up here. It begins to hiss and whisper. And then when you look at the root word in Akash, it says to learn from one's own experience. So what happened is Adam, as I've said a hundred times, if not more, Adam began to listen to teachers who taught the knowledge of good and evil. And he began to identify with that. And then what did he do? He self-condemned himself. And when you self-condemn yourself, you look at yourself with shame and guilt. Correct? I don't think it was so much that he was naked in his body, but he, he began to identify with what they were saying when it wasn't true, right? Just like we did. We were taught that we were sinners all of our life. You, even if you never went to church, Donna, you didn't go to church until you were 16 years old, but did you feel like you were a sinner? I mean, you, you had heard that you were a sinner from your grandparents until you get saved, right? Well, I knew I did things that was wrong. Yeah, and, but, but you identify with being a sinner then. And then when you go to church, again, you're a sinner saved by grace. So guilt and shame comes in and it destroys people's lives. So Adam fed from those type of teachers and he sensed, he sensed that he'd lost his spirit. He was living by his five sense realm at that time. And he sensed that he lost his spirit. So when father asked him why he was no longer aware of spirit, he said, I'm a sinner. I hid from you because of my guilt and because of my shame. That's me paraphrasing that. So, Guilt and shame is the only thing that will come from listening to teachers of the knowledge of good and evil. Guilt and shame. Yep. It always does. And you may not go tell somebody you're guilty. Most of the time we don't tell people what we've done wrong or what we're struggling, but we live with that guilt and that shame. And that's that voice within you that's screaming at you. That's your accuser all the time that's accusing you. So Adam was still in the perfect image of God. He was perfect. He was whole. There was nothing, he had not done anything wrong except for he did not listen to God with, with, with intelligence when God said, don't feed from teachers that teach the knowledge of good and evil. And I know people look at me and say, Roy, that's not what it says, but that's what it means. He wasn't eating an apple tree. There are people that will fight you and say that he ate from an apple tree. He did not. That's a picture. It's an analogy for us to understand something. But he fed from teachers that taught the knowledge of good and evil to the point that his realization became, I'm naked, I'm void, and then he procreated after the flesh and not after the spirit and their understanding. Yes, ma'am. I was just going to say, you might explain that trees represent Yeah, trees represent people. The Bible says we're trees of righteousness. Jesus healed a guy one time and he opened his spiritual eyes up when he said, now how do you see? And he said, I see men as trees. And I believe the Lord allowed that for us to have some understanding there, that he saw us as who we are. And so anytime you see trees, they always represent people. You know, just like the fig tree. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, it was because it was bearing no fruit. And there's a story in that, but it's a picture of Israel. They were bearing no fruit. So it was the law that he was literally cur cursing, if you would, or destroying the law. 
So even though it was not true, uh, their true image, the lie became the truth and the reality to all of them. And that's why we say we've been the children of a great lie, because most people think the lie is the truth, and it's not. The lie that you're just a sinner, the lie that you'll never be perfect, never be holy, you know, you'll... You won't get out of here alive. Somebody posted that today. Was that you, Ann? <laughs> I just thought it was good. I like it a lot. I put a post <laughs> on there, but I deleted it. You didn't see my post, did you? I deleted it. But I just said, when my body, if my body ceased to be able to hold me, I'm still going to be alive. But yeah, I like what, he, what the man said. But man forgot who they were, and Jesus told them they need to remember and start procreating who they are. That's basically what he said. They forgot who they were. Jesus told them who they were. And told them what they had done. And you need to start procreating who you are, your spirit. A man must wake up to who he is. Now, I'm going to read quite a few scripture here today. And it's going to be in my translation. So I'll give you the scripture if you want to look it up later on in the King James. But there's no reason to do that. Because a lot of it's mistranslated. But the first one is Jeremiah 7, 23 through 24. I just want to show you some things where it talks about the image of God. Uh, it says, but this thing instructed I them, saying, listen to my voice with intelligence. So this is God speaking to Jeremiah to speak to the people. And he's talking about what he did to man in the beginning. He instructed him. And he said, listen to my voice with intelligence. I exist your God and you exist my people. Tread about in all thy ways that I have instructed you, that you may be happy, well off, successful, and content and be the image of me. That's what, he, that's what Jeremiah was telling the priest and they rejected it. Same thing he told man in the beginning. Verse 24, but they did not pay attention, so they did not hear intelligently, nor did they even try to hear God. But they walked in the counsels of the old mythological and paganistic influences and in the imagination of their restless conscious awareness. They went backwards in their sacrifices to dead animals, blood and offerings, and not forward in the fellowship of me, their father. So here God's saying again, I want you to be content and be the image of me. Be content in the life that I've given you. Then the prophet Micah wrote in Micah 5, 14, I forsake, pull up, root out, and utterly tear away the false images out of your awareness and make those beliefs desolate, destroy, bring to naught, and overthrow and utterly pluck down those images by opening your eyes, stirring you up, to lift you up in a higher awareness. And that's what Jesus did when he came, didn't he? Mm -hmm. It said, for this purpose, the Son of Man was manifest to destroy, it said, him that had the power of death, but it was the Mosaic law. And then it said, to destroy the fruit or the works of him that had the power of death. And see, we could say him was Moses. Moses is the one that wrote the law. Moses is the one that came up with the Ten Commandments. Moses did all of that. God didn't do that. We've said that before, and we've taught you guys that. So Jesus came to forsake, pull up, root out, and utterly tear away those false images. And see, Jeremiah, if you read Jeremiah in the beginning, and that's, I've told you before, that's where the Lord really showed me my calling. You'll see where it says pluck out, pull up, and then plant. Yes. You can't, you, if, if you don't expose the lie, how can you teach the truth? And some people say, well, the truth exposes the lie. Well, sometimes it does, but a lot of people, the lie isn't rooted in them really deep. And you have, to, you have to teach them what the lie is so they can say, you know what, I have believed that all my life. And then want the truth. So note here, 42 times in our Bibles, man is exhorted to wake up. 42 times. I didn't look up that number. You know, sometimes I look at the numbers. But 42 times 
over and over, God says, wake up. Wake up to who you are. The first reference, and I'm not going to do all of them, but number 5782 is through the idea of opening your eyes by stirring a people up to a higher realm of understanding. Yes. And living. And living. You know, I told you last week, I believe we're in scripture where it said, I saw thee in your blood, and I say unto thee, live. I saw thee in your blood, and I say unto you, live. That word blood is not blood. It means in your ignorance. You don't know who you are. And I say unto you, live. Yes. And the second is 6974. It's also used in this same sense of an abrupt waking from sleep. Just yeah. wake up, yes. <laughs> you know. So in the Greek, it's used in number 1453, Egerio, through the idea of collecting one's faculties. And then it says to awaken, arouse from sleep, from disease, from death, yes. from obscurity, from inactivity, ruins, and non-existent. Mm -hmm. So how is man living as non-existent? Yeah. Well, what do you mean? They're there in flesh and blood. But see, that's, that's, not, that's not the true life. The true life is living in the cool of the day. Yes. It's living at the spirit. You know, I'm tired of living non-existent. I'm tired of living as a mere human. Amen. I'm tired of living struggling disease in my body or whatever it is that people are going through. It doesn't belong to us. And so, and again, I say, I'm not the example. <laughs> I'm teaching you the truth. I know it's the truth, mm -hmm. but don't look at me for the example, mm -hmm. but I want to be, <laughs> exactly. and we will be. So the apostle Paul used the word Egerio in Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time, he said that now is high time to wake up out of your sleep. Yes. If not now, when? Amen. Are you happy being asleep? Not me. Are you happy living lower than the spirit realm? Not me. I'm not happy with it. You know, some people think their life is wonderful. We got lots of money, got lots of cows. You know, we got, <laughs> we got a beautiful home. You know, we could just list all kinds of stuff that we, we go on vacations, we, but still we struggle in other areas. And we've got to where we're just content with that. You know, it's okay. My life is good. Well, but it's not the life that we want. And that's why Paul said this, and he said it pretty rough. He said, wake up. And so uh, he wants us to, to, God wants us to do that. And then he said, it's high time. And then he said to wake up, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. In other words, our Holy Spirit is nearer than we believed. We had no idea that our salvation was from the very foundation of the world. Our salvation was our entire being. God planted everything in us that would provide for what we needed, and that's our spirit. We have all things. We say it all the time. We have all things that pertain to spiritual life and natural life. There's nothing we lack whatsoever. Nothing. Yeah. You got all the money that you ever will need. Oh, well, where is it? Well, you don't have to see it. You can't see supply. Supply is just there. It's like the coconut tree I talked about several weeks ago. You can't see coconuts when you look at just the tree. You can't see the supply that brings it up. You can dig up the dirt and you still can't see it. Now, science can go in there and tell you the different, different things that are in there, but you don't see supply because supply is spirit. The only time you see spirit is when it slows down the visibility and then it becomes a coconut. So you can see the, but you don't see the source. You see the coconut, correct? The source is invisible, but we have the source. The source is our Holy Spirit. Yes, amen. So the Apostle Paul wrote of what man did from the foundation of the world, 
in his first section of uh, his epistle, and I want to read that whole chapter to you. I'm going to read several chapters today because I want you to hear what Paul said, the prophets said, and what God said about his image. So it says, and this is my translation, it says, those who lived as human and held back the truth concerning everyone's righteousness, where there are many false doctrines and laws that produce filthy works of righteousness from the beginning. So this, they, he's talking about people from the beginning. Verse 19, he says, on this account, they were knowledgeable and acquainted with God in themselves, for God indeed rendered himself apparent. Verse 20, they could good indeed get, they could indeed gaze at God and were capable of clearly discerning and experiencing God in themselves. They had the ability from the foundation of the world, as did all the world's inhabitants. They clearly observed the workmanship of his hands. They experienced him in his full everlasting self as one mind, one spirit, one body, and one power. God fully revealed to them his character as Father Creator. They were without excuse. 21. Therefore, when they absolutely knew God, they did not esteem him as the one and only God. They did ascertain or discover and seek and desire to know him. They did not. Neither did they express gratitude to him, but they became foolish and worshiped false idols in their imagination concerning themselves. They saw themselves as different than God. That's a false idol, right? When you say I'm just a human, you're worshiping a false idol. Did you know that? When you say I'm a sinner, you're worshiping a false idol. Whatever it is you identify yourself with as not Holy Spirit, it is a false idol. Isn't that amazing? They became blinded and lost their conscious understanding of the truth about their own true nature. Verse 22, sharing their thoughts as though they were wise, they became insipid, which means dull and wishy-washy, characterless and foolish. 23, and in their false perception and their imagination, they made the goodness, the nature, the character, and the love of their eternal God different than it really was. And see, your imagination is powerful, is it not? Yes. So that's why we have imagined Baptist gods, Lutheran gods, Methodist gods, Islam gods, Buddhist gods. You name, you just go right down the list. Assembly God gods. See, they have an assembly of God, you know, and I'm not making fun of them, but that's, they've imaged those and they've written of those and their doctrines are about those, Right. And their, their belief systems are about those. And they write books about those. And so they procreate that image and everybody birthed after them that feeds from that tree. Correct? Yes. They made God like under their image of what they believe themselves to be, a perishable, hewn-down man, human, and the same category as birds, earthbound beasts, and reptiles. Verse 24, wherefore they gave up the true reality of God themselves. They gave God up. God never gave them up. When you read where God gave them up for the lust of the flesh, when you translate it, it says they gave God up. Mm. The Catholic Church put in there and the Church of uh, England put in there that God gave them up. God never gives anyone up. Never. Verse 24, wherefore they gave up their true reality of God their Father through being mindful in their own conscious awareness of being morally impure. Because of embracing the false misconception of their inner being, they willfully dishonored their bodies. Verse 25, they willfully exchanged the truth of one loving God into a falsehood. They ascertained and sought and desired to know God's creation instead of God and rendered homage to that which God created, worshiping themselves and all things created more than our creator father. In other words, wanting to know. 
whom is to be spoken well of for eternity, so be it. Verse 26. From the aforementioned act of those who lived at the foundation of the world, they themselves gave up God for the purpose of conspicuous desires, dishonoring and disgracing women, exchanging their natural sexual intercourse into that which is against natural reproduction. Similarly, the men leaving the natural sexual intercourse with a woman were set on fire with a lust for one another, men using men by implication for sexual indecency, and their consequences, that's the word requital, their consequences resulted in them being bound. Consequences, not judgment, right? They themselves received the deceitful delusion. 28, by doing such, they in no way discerned God in full awareness and acknowledgement. They gave up the knowledge of their union with God. See, I'm not, I'm, there's no place where it said God gave them up. Because no. we've done things ourselves. God never gave us up. People choose to use as an attack homosexuals or lesbians and say they can't be saved and they can't be. That's a lie. That's no different than eating too much ice cream with God. He's not going to leave me because I like ice cream. <laughs> they gave up the knowledge of their union with God purposefully for a worthless degenerate intellect and will to do the things that are not becoming a man. Verse 29. This has all resulted in them being full and replete with injustice, with a degenerate character of life. We're talking about man from the beginning. That's what man did from the beginning. No longer were they experiencing the rest of God. They were eager for more and more depravity, full of ill will, murder, strife, and deceit, mischievousness, and slander. They begin to learn from their own experiences, gaining information from the sense realm. They uttered untruths and attempted to deceive by falsehood. Verse 30, they became irreverent to God, despiteful, thinking themselves to be better than others, braggarts, contrivers of things, and degenerate from their true virtue, not listening to their Father Creator with intelligence. Verse 31, they were totally unaware of truth and without God's rest. They were foolish, covenant breakers, and hard-hearted toward the kindred, showing no mercy. Verse 32, although they knew the decree, decision, and the declaration of God at the foundation of the world, they willingly chose to be unaware of their consequences of committing such things. As a result, they lived as being as dead to God, void of the abundant life. As they were not void, they were still Holy Spirit, they were still righteous, they were still pure, but their, their perception of their self was this, and so that's what became their realization. They themselves manifested. See, over and over it says they themselves they themselves manifest the lower realm life. In addition, they also thought well of themselves and their actions and felt gratified with themselves and others who repeatedly and habitually did these same things. And they convinced themselves that this was life. And people still do that to this day. Whatever it is that we do that does not fit the very character and nature of our creator, we, we have convinced ourselves that it's okay. Yeah. And you hear people say, God made me this way. No, God didn't. God didn't make me the way I am manifesting right now. No. I mean, I am, I am, I am the manifest righteousness of God. I am Holy Spirit. But things that's in my body that's out of order, this, this organism that's attacking my mesenteric tissue, God didn't make that that way. No. God didn't create me that way. And if I'm a child abuser, God did not create me that way. If I'm a, uh, whatever it is, if I chase after other women besides my wife, God didn't make me that way. Correct. So the Apostle Paul was given this answer by Father as to what man did. However, 
God saw man. God never saw man the way they represented themselves. God never dealt with man the way they represent themselves. Moses always thought the consequences was God. Correct? Yeah. Moses was mad at the children of Israel. Yes. When Moses went up to see God on the mountain, he was mad. They were giving him a hard time. And so he could only hear it through his anger. Yes. He could only hear it through his perception of God. Mm -hmm. He knew God like a God in, in Egypt. Right? Yeah. That, that would bring punishment if you didn't bring enough sacrifices or whatever. And so spirit is our father creator. Our father presented himself to them, him, them as spirit, and our father lives as spirit. And there's a place in there where it talked about God as spirit in scripture. And I looked it up and it said, spirit is God. So if you're spirit, then you're God. We're not God, almighty God, but we are as God, almighty. We are as God, supernatural, omniscient, omnipresent, all that. We are that. And if we just realize that, how, how could we live on planet earth? How, how awesome it would be. And we've tapped into that and we've experienced it. And you know, I've told you about a couple of times where people thank me for going somewhere that I don't remember been there, but I believe I could have been in my, in my sleep or when I was praying maybe or meditating or whatever. Literally, we can translate it. We just don't know that. That's where people are starting to say, wow, okay, he's getting crazy. <laughs> well, it's the truth. So if you want to experience more of a spirit, then come on up higher in your awareness. That's what Paul kept saying. Wake up. He just, I, I'm sure he just wanted to go to people and shake them and say, wake up. I've wanted to go to my family that rejects what I teach. And it's, I, I mean, I've got some family that just thinks I'm crazy. And I just want to say, would you wake up? Look at your life. This isn't life. This isn't what God put us on this planet for. The goal is not to die and go to heaven someday or fly away. Why would people be here for thousands and thousands of years if that was the goal? Why didn't he just create us there? He did. <laughs> he created us in heaven. Thank you, Lord. He never took us out of heaven. He never took us out of space. It's man that digressed. It's man that chose to leave God. Mm. But they never could leave him. They just think they have. So as I wrote in my previous chapter of this book, man ascends and descends in his own mind. Mm -hmm. We ascend to the heavenly because we want something, and then we descend right back into the flesh, right? Mm -hmm. Just back and forth. We never stay. I've experienced cool of the day, but many times I would digress back down. So this is what Paul says in Romans 8, 9-11. But you... He's teaching to people and he's ministered to them as spirit. He said, but you are not mindful of, nor are you governed by the prescription of the Mosaic law. When you look at the word law, it's prescription. Just like a doctor gives you a prescription. It says, take this, take this, and you're going to be okay. Well, a law is a prescription. If you don't speed, you won't get a ticket. If you do speed, you will get a ticket, right? And so the church has given us a whole bunch of prescriptions if you do this, you'll live. And if you don't do this, you won't live. You do this, you're going to get to go to heaven. You don't, you're going to go to hell. Correct? Yeah, that's what so he said the prescription of the Mosaic law and its dead works of righteousness. You're not governed by that. That's flesh. You are fully aware of the spirit of God that dwells in you apart from any of the works of that useless prescription. 
if any man embraces the and embraces and the belief that he is not fully clothed in the life and spirit of God, then that will become his realization. That's what Adam did. He embraced that he wasn't fully clothed. He was lacking something. It will affect him as if it were true, even though it is not. Verse 10, since the spirit of God is in every part of your being, you are delivered from the do-to-be laws to gain life. I'm telling you, there's no way I could ever sit under any more teaching that tells me I need to do something to be. And I sat under that most of my life. But I can't, I don't, I'm not now because I know that I know. I know I'm holy. I know I'm righteous. I know I'm perfect in every way. You understand that, my wife? <laughs> She's smiling really big. But I am perfect. You're perfect. We're all perfect. Holy Spirit in you is your life source, your true character, and your true nature. Verse 11, you also need to see that the Spirit One, who awakened and roused Jesus up from death, resides and is at rest in you also. Remember that if that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. I'm telling you, once you realize, we realize and we know that we know, this body is no longer mortal. And it's not mortal, but we think it is. But once we wake up to it, we're going to realize, you know what? I am not mortal. I am immortal. I am righteous and I'm holy. And I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to live forever, but I don't have to live with a liable diet mentality. Amen. Because that's what brings death on in us is because yes. we believe we're supposed to die. Yes. I don't believe we're supposed to die. Thank you, Lord. I don't believe that. The same spirit one who aroused your Messiah from the death realm also enlivened your body. See, it's not will quicken. It, it, it enlivened my body when I was actually created in my mother's womb. So if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it does dwell in you. Yes. And where it says it shall, it says exist. It exists in your body. It exists, it exists in your liable die mentality. You have a life in you that will swallow all that up. The minute your mom and dad's sperm and egg came together, a light flashed at that moment. That's the very spirit of God in you, and it never left you whatsoever. So it also enlivened your body that was in all likelihood liable to die. It had that mentality that you were liable to die, but it enlivened you from the beginning. The reason this is true is because Father God himself eternally dwells in you. Always has, never will not, nothing you can do for God to leave you because you're one with God. So Holy Spirit in you, released through you, is the secret. It's the mysterion that the word secret means. It was a mystery, mysterion, because religion wouldn't let us hold it. Jesus said, when he told Peter who Peter was, and he asked Peter who he was, and he said, you're our Messiah. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. It was revealed to you by spirit. And he said, upon this rock that I am Jesus the Messiah. I'm Jesus the Christ. I'm Jesus Holy Spirit. I'm here to teach you and lead you in what I'm going to teach. It will. The gates of this knowledge will not prevail against the church. Another, and the gates was what? Religion. Religion was the gate. It's no longer a gate to us. We've broken free from religion. And so Jesus told him that it will not, it will not, it will not be held back and we can literally understand the truth of who we are. So when we are free to live life abundantly, when the lie is brought to naught, that's when we can live life and life more abundantly. And Jesus came to destroy that lie for us. So we were born Holy Spirit, but we are instructed that we were, we were 
but we were not instructed that we are Holy Spirit. I was born Holy Spirit, but my mom never told me that I was Holy Spirit. My dad never told me I was Holy Spirit. My preacher never told me I was Holy Spirit. My preacher never told me that I was holy. My mom and dad never told me I was holy. And we could just go, nobody told us, right? But we had a spirit with inside of us, you know, Holy Spirit, and we could have read scripture and we could have learned on our own, but we, did, we, we allowed other people to tell us who we were instead of listening to our father. So we must start instructing our offspring again in righteousness. Tell them who they are. Tell them they're supernatural. Tell them they're Holy Spirit. Tell them we're not slaves to the bondage of the great lie. Let them know that there's people out there that are teaching things that are not true who you are. That's why I like one day when uh, years ago Donna was teaching at Tree of Life Fellowship and my grandkids were there and one day my grandson came home from school and asked her mom and said, what is sin? And how old was he, Donna? Probably seven years old, eight, something like that. But, but he had been taught from birth and his Nana taught him that you're not a sinner. You know, and she didn't really talk about sin at all. So he hears, hears kids talking about sin and he doesn't know what they're talking about. Isn't that wonderful? Awesome. <laughs> he had this righteous consciousness in him. Yeah. So yeah, lives that are centered in Holy Spirit will be guided and motivated by Holy Spirit. Yes. And we must let our Holy Spirit be our incentive for that. We must let. Because God is not going to push you into anything. Holy Spirit will not push you. Holy Spirit is there silently waiting for you to tap in. To tap in. So the key word here is let. We must let. Uh, to, so to walk in the love of Spirit ensures your safety. To live out of the Spirit ensures your safety. To live out of the Spirit ensures that you, you're literally living the abundant life. To live out of your Spirit. To live out of the flesh, to live in a carnal realm, what is it? It's death. But to be spiritually mindful is life. It's, we've known that all of our life, so why have we been accepting death? Because we just thought it's the way it's supposed to be. We live and we die. And death is more than just physical death, though. Death is no awareness of God, and we want to know God. So... <clears throat> We're going to continue this teaching over the next few weeks. I want to learn. I want us to learn what Scripture tells us about that. That staying centered, keeping our center, Holy Spirit. Everything that my life does should be orbiting around Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right there in the center, and Holy Spirit is what's radiating out to every aspect of my life: my job, my family, my my vacations. My knowledge, my wisdom, my understanding, everything coming from the Holy Spirit and not from man whose breath is in his nostrils, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's something that we, you know, we, I, don't, I don't want you to walk away from this and say, well, that was a good sermon, Pastor. I want you to take this and meditate on it. Mm -hmm. and, and every day, every day we need to be focused on what is the center of my life today? Holy Spirit. What is the center of my thoughts today? Holy Spirit. How do I break free from addictions and, and other kind of, just center, make sure my center every morning is Holy Spirit and make sure I stay that way, right? Now, this is what Paul said. He said this in conclusion of what a lot that he wrote in Romans 3.28, and I'm closing. But I really like this. We have come to this conclusion. I was going to use this at the end of this chapter, but I want to use it right now. I'll probably move it later. But we have come to this conclusion, and this is what I hope you have come to a conclusion of. 
We realize and experience our eternal righteousness by putting our faith in what Jesus revealed. And I would change that faith in putting our confidence. I'm going to write that down right here. Confidence in what Jesus revealed about the decree and decision God gave before the foundation of the world to create mankind holy and upright. That's our conclusion. Mankind is holy and mankind is upright. We will never realize and experience our eternal righteousness by tolling in the law with its worthless deeds. This means our Father Creator is not only the Father of the Jews, God is the Father Creator of all people. Amen. Every man, every woman, every boy and girl, past, present, and future, world without end. We know there is only one Father Creator who from the foundation of the world rendered all people holy, just, and innocent. This includes people who put their faith in the works of the Mosaic Law and those who live by faith in God. Either one. They're still righteous, they're holy, they're pure. God eternally sees all mankind as they were from the beginning, eternally righteous, holy, and pure. He sees them all in their true estate as sons who image their father creator. What then do we conclude concerning Moses' law? Moses' law and all the do-to-be efforts are rendered entirely idle, loosened, brought to naught, made void, and have vanished away from us as we place our reliance in the apocalypse apocalyptic disclosure of Jesus' incarnational event. He revealed this truth. All people are holy, and no way does the law of Moses continue to stand. And that can be the law of any religion, any denomination, any do-to-be. It's, it's non-effect. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Any, any fasting to get God to do something, any giving to get God to do something, whatever you're doing, it is a dead work. If you want to give, give because you love, right? It's just like in the beginning with Cain and Abel. I always confuse them. Which one was murdered? Cain. Abel, I mean, Cain. I'm sorry, Cain. Cain. The reason God did not accept that, act, that sacrifice, it wasn't that it wasn't an animal. It was, the, it was the reason he sacrificed it. He was trying to please God. He wanted God to be pleased with his sacrifice. That's what happened there. I think I've shared that with y'all before, hadn't I? Yeah. He, 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 he waited until the end of the... He wanted, he wanted to make sure that he had some... It, was, it wasn't a gift. It was a, it was a sacrifice. See, when I, when I give something in the nature of God, I give it as a gift because I love that person and because I love God. I'm not giving to God like we were taught to try to please God. Because that was what the offense was. It was the way that you gave it. It's just like when Paul taught on taking the communion elements and he used the word unworthily. It wasn't because you were unworthy to take it. It was the way you took it. In other words, it didn't mean anything to you. I mean, we have churches that take communion every Sunday. Do you think it means anything to those people? I mean, so, I mean we go down there, and it, but really it, it's, it's just, it's a rich, it becomes a ritual. So that God would be offended with the way it's done, not with you, right? So the word unworthy, and John Cahill said this, unworthy means, the word unworthy modified the action, not the actor. Does that make sense to you? So when he told the children of Israel, he was, uh, that their offerings that they gave, of money and, and the blood offerings and the metal, the, the, uh, excuse me, the animals and all that, 
he said it was an offense to him. He was talking about the offering, not the person, the offerer. Amen. And yet we've made it about us. Mm -hmm. Amen. So we, we, I hope you stick with me on this and I, it's going to get better and better. But I'm, I'm going to, I told this morning, I, God, I want to give an answer. I'm tired of telling people to do something, but not how to do it. And I believe we do a lot of that. But I really want us to learn how to keep Holy Spirit at the center of our entire being. It already, he already is. Father already is the center. But in our awareness, he needs to become the center. All these people that Paul wrote about and all these people that the prophets wrote about that were living as carnal, God was their center already. But see, it needs to, it, Holy Spirit needs to be center, the center of our awareness wherever I go. Because if I go out and there's storms and there's problems going on in the, in the world, but God is my center and I'm focused on God, my Holy Spirit being my center, then there's peace and there's, there's fullness of joy. There's God, my health, not my healer. There's God, my supply, not my financer. I don't come to God as a bank anymore. I don't, I don't want to come to God as, a, as my doctor. I want to live out of his cake called the isness of God. And in the, in the isness of God is everything. Yes. Everything that we've ever asked for, everything that we ever thought we needed, living in the isness of God is a cool of the day. And there's nothing lacking whatsoever there. Amen? Amen. So you want, you want Holy Spirit to be your center? Yes. And I know you do. And I know yes. we're practicing that. So we pray that for all you guys out there watching. Hey, Kay Fairchild, good to see you here. Marsha, love you guys. But we appreciate you, and I just pray for you that as we study this together, that we'll, we'll more and more learn how to let Holy Spirit be the center of our very life. So bless you. Love you. Bye-bye.